you know, we can edit things. Uh, we try not to usually. So, but if we say something top secret and inappropriate, we can. I'm more worried about curse words than I am. Uh, don't worry about that. Yeah. I don't worry about that shit. We're pretty See? good. There you go. I just let one fly. <laughs> I, I broke the ice for you. Nice. Yeah. Um, turn that into a drinking game while we're doing a podcast. That'd get pretty interesting. That could get dangerous. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Welcome to Residing in North Idaho, a community and lifestyle podcast for North Idaho. Uh, Seth Horst with you and my partner, Eric Boardman. And we have a special guest today, my good friend, Matt B. Should I use your last name? I don't care. Right. All right. There, I said it. It's out. Um, Matt is a uh, retired Army guy, Army SF, and um, <clears throat> he begrudgingly came on the podcast here today. Doesn't like to talk about stuff, but uh, I've lubed him up with some liquor in his coffee. <laughs> nice. Thank and, you. And um, here we go. So I have two great stories about the times that I met Matt. The first time I met you was at the jiu-jitsu gym, the first gym. Um yeah, we won't say the name. Doesn't matter. Anyway, you were working the counter there and you had showed up from somewhere. And I was like, hey, what's up? You know, said hi. You're like, yeah, I'm, you know, retired, re, not retired, retired army guy. <laughs> she thinks so. And, uh, and, 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 and here's the deal Matt's so humble that I was like, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, he's probably like a mechanic or something. That's cool, man. Good for you. Thank you for your service, you know, 20 years in the army or whatever. And uh, later found out that he was a green beret and an officer at that. So I was completely fooled. Nicely done. Um, I would say that's probably the way most guys from your career choose to do it is on the low key. I think that's the right way to do it. Uh, as a cop on the opposite, I tell everybody, right? Yeah. I knew right away hey. as soon as you walked through hey. the door. Yeah. <laughs> I like I immediately don't like this guy. He's a cop. <laughs> yeah. It's my, it's my bearing. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. right. uh, but honestly, I, I must say it's nice for once not to be the most dangerous guy in the room here. So thank you for that. Wow. I, I feel that like that was looking directly. That was a right dig. Now. That was a <laughs> lot of, that was a multi-level, <laughs> multi-level dig. Um, By the way, Seth, you're pretty much harmless anyway. I, I know. I, you know, I'm just a crippled old public servant. Um, the other story. So uh, my kids went to a small private school for a little bit and uh, Matt offered to come and teach about, I guess, the history of Afghanistan. Yeah, it was kind of yeah. the history of Afghanistan. So he shows up in full Afghani garb. I believe you called it man jams. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, he shows up in the parking lot. I meet him out his truck and he gets out and he's in this full, like the full deal. The headset, the head, what are you? Turban? But cool. But cool. Yeah, okay, but yeah. cool. I'm way out of my element here, clearly. Um, the whole deal. And looking like an Afghani. And he pulls out, he brought along his rifle, of course, to like make it real realistic and talk about that too. So he's got his AR with a suppressor on it. It's all and he gets out in the parking lot. I'm like, man, maybe I should carry that. This doesn't look good. This is North Idaho. I don't want someone to be driving by and you know, go full vigilante. So uh that was pretty cool though that you came he came and talked about i mean he had a powerpoint and everything it was super legit talked about the uh the history of afghanistan and um you know the kids got to ask a lot of questions about his time over there and i thought that was pretty cool but uh so those are my two stories about you that's awesome that's all you have is just two that's it um matt and i spent a lot of time together and he likes to give me shit so thank you for that uh matt is also the owner of sparta jiu-jitsu one of the owners of sparta 
uh, jujitsu Academy here in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. So, um, he's got that as well. And, uh, I can still take him on the mats though. Yeah. Because I worried about your self-confidence. <laughs> I, I'll let you do whatever you want. You're a true, t- true teacher. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. you gotta build well, them up the thing about it is I know what it's like to be old and broken. So I take it easy on Seth. Absolutely. It's awfully decent. <laughs> Can you, uh, can you give us a brief history of your, like your career in the army, like where you started? Yeah. So, uh, I guess I, um, I was born and raised in Montana and then left shortly after high school, went to West Point United States military Academy, spent four years there. And that was an eye opening experience for a kid from Montana. So you're like 18 when you go there. Yeah. 18, I think. You know what I was doing when I was 18? Uh, I'm not sure you can tell that. On yeah, I was, I was not, yeah, yeah, maybe I shouldn't say that on camera. You're right. Mm-hmm. Nothing productive. Let me just right. put it that way. Um, so that's impressive. I actually grew up right up the Hudson river from West point. So mm-hmm. there was a, probably a time period when we were only like 40 miles apart. That's how small this Could world is. Did you feel is? that magnetic I, I pull it. at that yep. time? And that's yeah. why I was like, ended up deciding to move to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, because you were already here. <laughs> it's funny how the world works like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to West Point for four years. I was commissioned as an infantry officer and spent, I don't know, about two years doing infantry stuff. Uh, I was first stationed after all the infantry training, first stationed at Fort Lewis, Washington. And that's how the first time we found Coeur d'Alene in oh. Post Falls. Cause we were in Montana and we had to drive out to Seattle to Fort Lewis. And so we we're driving through and talking, you come over the bridge and you're like, Oh wow, this yep. place is nice. Yep. Maybe we should retire here someday, but that was 25 years ago. You know, Should have bought land here then should have, should have. Yeah. Would have been nice to do. But uh, then of course, September 11th happened. And in 2002, I went to selection, went through selection, the whole Q course. And then I was stationed at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and Third Special Forces Group. Is like, how do guys get to selection? I mean, are, do you already have to demonstrate a higher yeah, skill level? And, yeah, so it, it just kind of depends. You know, back in the the height of the GWAT days, um, they were taking a few people right off of the streets and sending them through the Q course. Um, they called it the 18 x-ray program, but generally speaking, uh, most people that go into special forces have been in the military for a couple of years. And, uh, and then it's basically filling out a packet, being physically fit. And then you go to their selection. And, uh, if you pass, then they bring you back and start training you on how to be a special force soldier. And, uh, you know, we talked about this recently cause you were, <sighs> I was asking you about your time overseas and deployments and, and you were saying, you know, like it probably would have been more fun if you weren't always in charge of people. Yeah. I mean, so that's, that selection, like you're, you go there as an officer, does it suck even more? No. So, well, the vast majority, when I went through selection, it was all individual. And so that's a huge benefit for, especially for me, cause I left being in charge of, you know, anywhere between 20 and 35 guys. And then for three weeks through selection, I'm on my own. Mm. And so I only have to worry about myself for probably the first, I don't know, I don't remember how long it is, but three quarters of selection. And then they'll put you together for like the last couple of days to do what they call team week, where you're working together as a team. So it's 
selection is both individual and working as a team when I went through. Gotcha. And um, so, but that's a huge benefit for me because it was almost like a vacation. You don't have to worry about the other 30 guys and what they're doing. So it's like, <laughs> it's nice. So there you have it. If you yeah. want a vacation, <laughs> yeah. go to selection. It's yeah, a lot uh, less stress. You're not easy. responsible for big groups of people. That's kind of nice. You only have to worry about yourself. I get that. Yeah. Huh. Dude. So, okay. That was fun. So, uh, yeah. And then, um, I was that third group for a few years on a team. Back Just in- for those that don't know, third group is green berets. Yep. Third group, third special forces group out of, uh, I don't remember what they call it now, but used to be Fort Bragg, North Carolina. I think they call it Fort Liberty now, but, uh, yeah. So, you know, this is time period 2004 through 2007. And for the most part, we're only engaged in Afghanistan. We went a couple of other places, but for the most part, Afghanistan. How, like, what's a, um, the deployment look like for you guys? Six months over there or a year? Or Well, back back in those days, it, it really depended. It was anywhere between six and nine months. And they'd try to send you over for a long trip of nine months, then bring you back home for six months. Then you'd go for six months, come back for six months. So usually during that time period, you had six months of retraining, vacation time, and then you're going back over. What and and like training? So when you're back in the states, I mean, what's like the training? I, I've always wondered for like these higher tier groups, like what the training uh, um, tempo it would be like. How what does that look like? Yeah, I think it it kind of depends, and like I I don't know for the super high end guys, you know. But for us, what it looked like is, you know, you come back from a deployment. And then you do a lot of retraining on the basics because during when you come back home from a deployment, then some guys have to go to different organizations, different units. So then you're getting new guys in. So you have to go over the basics again and again and again. And for us, that's about all it really was, was just going over the basics. And, you know, but there's so many different basics that you have to go over that it takes months to get retrained to go. I mean, you're talking about anything from medical to communications, to, you know, fire and maneuver. And there's so many different branches and specialties to go down on each one of those that each one of those can take months to retrain. Mm. Um, So you're, for the most part, you're, you know, special forces, it's the operational detachment alpha ODA. And so it's like 12 guys, each of them kind of have their own specialty, but uh, the team comes together and fights as an, one small unit and so when you first get back from a deployment take a little bit of vacation and then individuals go off and work on the specialties the commo guys will go work to get super smart on commo the med guys get retrained in medical the weapons guys do that so everybody works on their individual stuff and then you bring them together collectively and then you'll start off just doing small um, training events as an ODA and then they'll build up to bigger two ODAs together, three ODAs together, maybe six. So that's kind of how it goes. Start small with the basics, individual, work yourself up to the collective tasks. Gotcha. And masters of fundamentals. Yes. That's, that's really all it is. And you know, some of it, um, it's, it's interesting to watch because you see all the movies out there and everybody likes the sexy kicking in the door, door type stuff, but the vast majority of your time is not 
spent on that type of stuff. The vast majority is individual specialized skill set that you can bring to a team to make the team better. And so like, if you're a medic, you get all worried about the medical stuff. You get really good at that, but then your job is also to train the rest of the team on that in case you're not there. If the medic goes down, somebody else has to take over to do that. You can't have a single point of failure. Right. Everybody has to be cross-trained. And the cross-training I think is really what makes there's two things that I think separate special forces teams from a lot of other organizations. One is the experience level of the guys on the team. You know, they're older. They're, they're not the 18 year old kids, right? They're 27 to 29, usually with a lot of experience, been to a lot of different countries, been through a lot of different scenarios. And then the second thing that separates them is the level of cross training when you teach me how to be a medic i can replace you Mm -hmm. you know like i'm only as good as what you teach me and so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of times where you're you're getting better solely based on the people around you right and so if the people around you are good you're really good if the people around you aren't very good then uh, you're gonna be struggling well, I think if it's like my job now, the more you learn about the jobs of those around you, the better you get at your own. 100%. Because yep. you have to understand what their role is. And you're right. like, okay, that's why we yep. do it this 100%, way. 100%. Yep. Big picture stuff. Uh, yep. Understanding the big picture. Well, I'd imagine if you guys are repping and becoming masters of fundamentals, I'd, I'd at least in my very macro level, like a street unit and for law enforcement, Right. I know what those guys are. I work with them long enough. You know exactly what they're going to do mm-hmm. before they do it. We don't need any verbals. You just watch them and you're like, I know how it's going to handle this. Yeah, 100%. And that's one of the things that I uh, often look at because I spend a lot of time outdoors and bringing people to the outdoors is at nighttime when somebody's walking by you, if you can tell who that is, just by the way they walk, yeah. then, okay, now we're thinking yeah. on the same page, right? Right. And uh, I see it all the time in the outdoors. You know, you'll take people out, and they're not as comfortable at night because they haven't had that experience. They they don't understand your pace, your gait, how you lean to the left or right. And that goes back to why our special forces teams a little bit different. It's because of the experience. We've spent so much time together. You can, out in the woods you can hear them moving you're like right. i know this is him i know yep. this that's, um, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. cool. yeah <laughs> no that's like I, I can think of some people that i worked with for years you know in many different you know nighttime daytime and you're absolutely right like i it, i could hear the keys jingling in the pocket and i'm right. like i know who that yep. is 100%. But the way some and who, who i'm saying this about will know the way you wash your damn hands <laughs> like i know the way you wash your hands yeah. i could pick it out of ten thousand yeah. people yeah. so yeah like having that and you know i've I've had a couple experience, a couple of different specialized teams in law enforcement that I was a part of that, you know, we got to a certain level of uh, competency because we spent so much time together, mm-hmm. but it's a fraction of the time that you guys would have spent right. together, right? Because we went home at the end of our shift every day, you right. know, and had 12 hours at home or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I can't even fathom, you know, that level of, I hate for lack of a better term, int- intimacy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's really surprising that <laughs> you have struggles with intimacy, Seth. It's hmm. all right. He said small unit earlier <laughs> too, so I've been waiting to chuckle about that one. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and then like, I guess, I mean, not to jump too far ahead, but what, like, how do you disconnect from that? 
I had a hard enough time getting out of law enforcement, like disconnecting from that. I mean, my analogy, when I would go to work, sometimes it was like plugging into the matrix. Like I'd, I'd come over this certain rise and I could see the town that I worked in for the most part. And it was and like, you, here you we were, go. My up. heart rate would go up. Yeah. Everything would go up. And then like, so di like de disconnecting from that and coming back to a civilian world is hard enough for guys like me. And then like that level, I don't even know. Is this a big yeah. challenge? I mean, I, th I think it is a big challenge, especially, um, in this day and age, or maybe even five, 10 years ago with a lot of the vets that spent a lot of time, maybe even too much time overseas. Um, but I have a, you know, my wife, uh, um, and, uh, she's been through a lot. She's helped out in the military. She was a psychologist, uh, worked with a lot of military vets. So I have it easy because my psych therapy is, is at at home. Yeah. And so like, <laughs> yeah, I, I play those games all the time. Um, so it's probably a little bit different for me. And the other thing that's different for me, you know, you brought up that I was an officer. It's a lot different as an officer than it is some of these NCOs. Is, is that because you're carrying more weight? No, no. So like, think about, uh, I think about how often we were deployed during, especially the heights of GWAT. Right. But the special forces NCOs, um, they do that year in and year out for their entire career. Mm. As an officer, I was only on a team for three years. Okay. And then I go off to do some other, you know, broadening experience, uh, to make me more well, well-rounded, uh, see the bigger picture. But a lot of those NCOs stay on that team and just keep going and keep going. Would keep that going. be the equivalent of like a patrol sergeant in law enforcement? Like an NCO? I would, I would assume so. Like Probably. a, yeah, like a line level leader yeah. that is okay. with that. So shift. they're out there doing right yeah. job. Yeah. They're out there doing it day in and day out. For so they're really, they're years. carrying even more weight because yeah. they're in charge of the guys yep. on the ground directly. Well, they're there doing it trip after trip, after trip, after trip. Whereas I only get to do it for three years. Boom. I'm off the line. And then they do it for a much longer time. What, like, what's the level, you know, like I try to understand the trauma and I understand the trauma of law enforcement or being a first responder, right? There's a, there is a constant level of trauma that you deal with. Mm -hmm. Like what's the level of trauma that these guys are dealing with over there. And then, you know, like a specialized group, are they more uh, able to deal with that? Because, you know, when I look at like, so PTSD, for example, like if you're prepared for that situation, I feel like you're less likely to get uh, a PTSD. Like mm -hmm. if you're surprised, often I feel like you're more likely to get that. But if you come into that environment and you're like, okay, this is what we're here for. Like there's clear, clear rules of engagement. You know, um, we don't have to necessarily wait for them to make the first move. We can be proactive. Uh, are they less likely to deal with that? I would, I would argue that they are, but I'm not a psychologist. Right. right. But from what I understand, um, but you sleep with one. So yeah. that, that counts, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> or at least in yeah. the same room. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes if I'm not out in the doghouse. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it, it, a lot of it has to go back to training mm. and experience, right? The more, the higher level that you're trained at with a broadened set of experiences, the less likely are you are to develop that. Yeah. In my personal opinion. Um, I know they've done a bunch of studies on special forces guys and pulling blood and 
cortisol levels and things like that. But that's, I have always wondered that like the, like the top tier guys, when they go say they're on, you know, running a mission and they're clearing a house, like, are they dealing with, you know, is their, uh, heart rate, uh, 150 and above, or are these dudes just cool as shit going through this? Well, I, I think the ones that are at the tip of the spear, like they're pretty cool. But, so are they just built differently? Can um, you train that? Or is that like a, no, I, I think you can train. Well, I think you can train to reinforce the positive aspects that you want yeah. in people. But I think that's also why they do their selections the way they do. And each different organization selects for somebody different. And so that's why their selections are designed the way they are, because they're looking for very specific markers. Stress inoculation yeah. performance. Stress, stress inoculation's yeah. a big one, um, a very big one. But but I think that you can always, and that's one of the reasons why we do jujitsu, right? Like we're trying to inoculate ourselves from stress. We're trying to become a better person. We're trying to become more physically fit. And I think you can take anybody and you can continue to train them, put effort into them to make them better. Now, will they be the tier one operator? Like, I don't know. I don't know what the secret sauce is to that, mm-hmm. but I know that different organizations select for different things. Yeah. It's interesting. Like I relate it to, um, you know, the things on, on my previous job that would get someone jacked up, uh, say like a total, mess of a car crash, car crash. You know what I mean? You got like patients everywhere. You're dealing with that. You're dealing with traffic, like all of that stuff. And you know, there are levels to that game too. There, there are plenty of times that I would go into a crash and I'm like, cool, I got the, you know, I got this, I can manage this scene, but I can think of some where I got there and I was like overwhelmed, not Mm -hmm. prepared for what was, but some other dude shows up and he's like, I got this. It's Mm -hmm. like that level, you know, to the game. Oh yeah. I guess that's the analogy in my mind. Yeah. No, one of the analogies that I, I think of often is our special forces medics, right? I used to tell everybody that, like, I don't want to go to a regular doctor. Yeah. I, will, I will go to a special forces medic. And what I've seen with them is their training is a little bit different, but they, um, they are very easy to, they can very easily compartmentalize things. I've seen some world-class medics that all hell can be breaking loose and it can be an ugly scene. And he's the most calm, cool, collected one. He's just like, you do this. And you're like, wow, that is like, I would lose my mind. But you know, that person was specifically selected for that. And he's been trained to do that. Yeah. You know, and it's not just like this, this training that's next level by some of the best in the world, the training sets him up under stress. Right. I went to, when you guys are talking about like quality of training, I went to a, class put on by the Force Science Institute. And I didn't really know what I was getting into, but it was three days of that. But it's all human performance factors under stress. And they mm-hmm. break it down with cops on use of force situations all the time. Yeah. But how fast can your brain go from like that immediate reaction to back to that prefrontal cortex to where you can make good decisions? Yeah. And I think that's where the training separates you guys yeah. from normal. I'm still in the reserves now. Our training regiment regiment makes me nuts because it's completely static environment sitting in a classroom reading powerpoints or even at the range yeah you're throwing rounds of paper there's no stress as a matter of fact they do everything they can to reduce stress right how are you going to take that person then expect to throw them into this unknown scenario and perform Mm -hmm. right we try to do that on our SWAT team we try to ramp up stress everything's competitive and you make it more challenging so in the real world your brain's been there before when you run into that 
but that all that stuff blows my mind. And it's just what you're talking about with your special forces trait, like make that training harder. Mm-hmm. I imagine your training is still pretty difficult. Oh yeah. I mean, but <laughs> everything is relative though, right? Like there are organizations out there that look down at special forces and be like, Oh, that's easy. Right. You know, and then there's other organizations yeah. that look up at special forces and are like, Oh man, that's so hard. Right. But like, how do you get to that point? Anybody can get there if they want, if they want to. Um, oh, it's a bat phone. Gosh. Real dang, good. I'm, I'm pulling such a Dave right now. <laughs> there we go. We're good. There you go, buddy. Thanks, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. So the, there's, there's a lot of training out there to make yourself better if you want to be better. Yeah. I've always, I've always wondered that. And I guess like, I've always had the question of myself of like, what, you know, like, could I have done that? What level could I have gotten to? Cause you know, like I, I, I learned the skills on how to control my heart rate in certain situ- in the situations that I was exposed to at least, but there were still plenty of times that got away from me. Oh yeah. I lost my mind. Yeah. And you know, what's wild yeah. though, dude is like when the, the four science guys talk about that heart rate, when they, cause they went and did a bunch of tests with like a Northern Ireland uh, response team where they get into shootings like once every couple of weeks. It's mm-hmm. just, it's violent over there. So they're fast teams. Heart rate did not have a direct correlation to their performance. It's their ability to go back into that cognitive part mm-hmm. of their brain where they can respond with a rapid decision, but do it intelligent because your heart rate goes up. That's a million instinct, like especially under stress when bullets are flying. Yeah. The heart rate wasn't the factor. It was the training level that they'd had before that because they'll put, um, the markers on somebody like those guys that deal with this once every two weeks and then put it on somebody else that hasn't like a new cop. Oh my gosh. And it's completely different than, yeah, you know, than the two. So yeah, it's not, it's not as much your heart rate. If you put yourself into that scenario, right. It's how fast you can get back to that. And, and if you've already been exposed to something similar yes. once, right. It, it, right. It, you tighten up that OODA loop and you can make that decision faster and faster and faster. And, yep. and, and that's why I tie everything back to, the jujitsu, right? It's always a good analogy. A hundred percent. It is because, um, one, you're doing something that's difficult Two, there's threat that you could be hurt. Um, but the more you do it, the less, the less you're going to get amped up. Yeah. So you continually put those yourself in those types of scenarios and eventually you're just like, okay, yeah, it doesn't really matter. I'm going to make it out. I've, I've, uh, I talk about this a lot. I coach the morning class at Matt's gym, um, zero 600 for the crazy people. And, and we, we have a lot of older guys in there and we talk, I talk about this a lot is like that. <clears throat> like if you ever find yourself in that self defense situation and you've been training in a martial art, I think particularly jujitsu, you'll find as you get it, that moment will happen and then your body will react in probably an appropriate manner. And you'll find like, Oh, like this is actually pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think it's all a matter of, yes, you drill that thing so many times that your body will react the correct way. And when it does, well, that's a really good feeling too. Cause you're like, hell yeah. Like yeah. my training is working. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I and, bring that up. A lot. And the thing about when you're in a crisis situation, your training will take over. Mm-hmm. You will just react. Yep. And to me, like the best analogy and most eye opening experience I ever had was my first real legit, firefight right as soon as it kicked off you're like oh wow and people are just reacting doing what they're supposed to do and you don't even think Mm -hmm. for the first three minutes you're just reacting doing what you're supposed to do and then finally when you're like okay like oh wow 
that was intense. Yeah. That's so. see, I mean, that's perfect. Like that's that mm-hmm. training kicking in. Like I, I can't even tell you the amount of times that, you know, I was on the job and I'm like, I don't even think about it. My gun is in my hand pointed at whatever the situation is. And there's no thought involved. Right. It's just, I'm like, holy shit, my gun's in my hand. And, and, right. at and that that's too. from training. Yeah. yeah. Thousands that's and thousands training. of repetitions. It, it's cool when you go back and interview after the fact and you're watching body cams, you're like, bro, that was a really yeah. good meg switch. Yeah. Like, that was really, <laughs> and he's like, I didn't even, didn't even know. Think about I it. didn't even mm-hmm. think about that. But he completely went back in, did a attack mm-hmm. reload real quick. Mm-hmm. It's like no, no knowledge of it. There was yep. no thought process. It was just the way he trained to do it. Yeah. Yep. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I guess that's the importance of like, training to perfection you know trying to get that perfect rep in every time that's another thing we talk and, about and my big take on training also is is not just the shooting of the gun it's not just the jujitsu it's why do i train why do i ask my kids force my kids to train um and what i try to impress upon our students is it may not be a self-defense scenario that this training comes to it may be the you're driving down the road blow a tire you flip a car and you're upside down right like how do you bring yourself back right. to hey everything's going to be okay i maybe i haven't trained for this exact scenario but what is the priority right now what is the priority start taking action to fix to um take care of what the priorities should be and for me, the easy scenario is jujitsu, right? So you, you always have to protect yourself. That's right. number one. So protect your neck, protect whatever it is. Then you start working from there to, to put yourself in a better position. This is like, this is embarrassing to me, but this is a skill I learned later in life is to literally ask myself those questions in my head at that moment of like, what is the priority right now? It's still something I work on because, you know, I'll get moments where I'm like completely overwhelmed with work and I'm like, all right, I need to like prioritize and then execute. Right. And I I have to say in my mind, like talk through it, like, okay, what is number one thing here? What's this? What's this? And like, I didn't know that in my early twenties. I swear. I didn't even think about that. Um, you know, cause I wasn't out serving my country. I was drinking forties in the college dorm, but well, even then just serving us in right. what's my priority yeah. 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 finish this beer and then, yeah. and then go out to the yeah that's yep. right but that's something that people should think about though that's what i talked to the school one day, one day when i went back there yeah. and, and talked to them about what are your priorities of work you know in the military we're always asking that what are the priorities and and taking actions to fix those priorities mm-hmm. and then once you get into now that i'm in the civilian world kind of go through the the same things what are the priorities anytime you get into a tough situation what what's the priority right now yeah right yeah like like the car crash incident mm-hmm. you talked about like and i have this conversation with my kids a lot i know you talked about it in the kids class at jujitsu mm-hmm. and with your own kids is like okay yeah we're potentially in a life and death situation i just rolled my car what do i need to do like okay make sure the scene is safe right that's number one priority that's you know like having those conversations with the right. kids i figure you know, I think I missed out on that when I was younger, but if I can raise my own kids and influence those people around me to have that skill set as they, you know, as a young person, like it's huge, mm-hmm. right. potentially the best thing they could ever learn in their life. I have the same conversations in mind and I probably we talk about this as a SWAT team before you make entry into a building. Most of the time you're running code to something where you got to fly and everything's fast. You get your gear on as fast as you can and everything's fast, 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 fast. And then you go and you get set up and you're getting ready to do whatever sort of dynamic entry that is or whatever. Um, or it happens on patrol too, but take a breath. Yeah. Like just a half second <laughs> yeah. just to go, oh, 
okay, you know, just yeah. get a little oxygen to your brain and then restack your priorities and just get yourself back because everything is so hurried. And most of the time, by the time you get there and set up, you're not, unless something's really, really pushing you, that half second's not going to hurt you. Right. I tell that to my kids too. Hey, you're, you're way ramped up. And kids are almost the best example because they can't get out of their own way. Yeah. You know, they get going down that path. Just take a breath. Sit back and remember what your priorities That's are. That's what I tell Seth all the time when I'm choking. Like, just take, <laughs> True. Just just take, take a, a breath. breath and I, relax. I can't. <laughs> I'm not going to give you one. but <laughs> No, it's cool. But I really do think your scenario about flipping cars over and then taking that jujitsu and difficult training absolutely applies because instead of falling into that fight or flight response and sitting in there, you just bump it, right? You just bump that fighter because you're going, you're going to, I mean, it's surprising and that's a survival response, but just bump it and don't hang out in there. Yeah. Come back right. to what, yeah. what you got to do. Yeah. And I try to impress upon my kids. It's the same, no matter what, whether it's a bully situation or it's the, the car wreck, you don't know what to do, whether it's we're out in the woods and we're hunting, like take a break. Just <sighs> And the kids ask that same type of question when we're at the school doing the, uh, the class on Afghanistan, you know, how do you control your heart rate? How do you, you just take a big, deep breath, mm -hmm. relax. It's yeah. going to be okay. Yeah. Right. It's Worry less, about the priorities. Less of a the physical priorities. thing and more for your brain. Yeah. And it's the same for, getting up and giving a big speech or presentation mm -hmm. at your school, you know, whatever that thing is that puts you into that or sports, you know, I'm big on sports for kids, but right. that's that same thing. Just kind of reset and reground yourself. Yeah. I, uh, I, I gotta say it. Cold plunging is really good for that mm -hmm. because it creates that panic response. As soon as that water mm -hmm. hits your okay. chest height or your nuts, either one. But see some, some of us learned about cold plunging, like when we were 10 years old in Montana and frozen lakes and <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, have yeah. to do that. As I adults, did too. So. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't buy that. I don't, I've heard plenty of military guys say, I froze my ass off for every years in the military. I'm like, right. good, keep doing it. I know. I kill, no, still can't, get, puss. Still can't no. get the gunfighters guy to come jump in cold water with us, <sighs> bro. I'm working Dude. on it. I'm working on it. Um, but yeah, I, so I've been having those conversations about my, with about breathing with my kids mm -hmm. their entire lives, and they freaking resisted me so much. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to. They'd be all mad. I'm like, breathe, breathe, breathe. And then this summer when um, my son broke his arm, it was like his final exam. And, I, and it freaking, he immediately went right into it. I did not have to say anything and it completely calmed him down. I mean, it was a savage, that was both bad. bones broken, offset, disgusting. I was doing the deep breathing because I was like, right. when it's your own kid and you mm. see that kind of trauma, oh, you're like, worse. oh, damn. Yeah. Right. yeah. Um, and I, and so it's like having those conversations worked, even though they, I didn't think it was sinking in because they were so resistant over years, but um, it, it was, it was beautiful. The, the execution of it was flawless and then totally saved the day on that. So that was yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of my experience from, uh, third group Fort Bragg went to Hawaii for a while, did grad school out in Hawaii. Oh, man, that was, that was rough. Good living rough out there. Dude. Really rough. Yeah. Um, short straw. Yeah. But I was a little bit different <laughs> back then. Uh, my shoulders still worked. So I played golf every day for, a year and a half while I went to grad school. My tax paying dollars. It was. I'll tell you, it um, it was interesting. That's for sure. Good. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah, yeah it was. You're in a, a weird world of like in between military and civilian life. Yeah, and that that was eye opening, you know, because I can't remember what that was twenty, yeah, whatever. But you know, by then I'm thirty some years old, and uh, been around the military for at least the last. 12 years or so. Yeah. And then they throw you into um, a liberal arts program. 
in Hawaii. And yeah, so I, and you had already been deployed prior to that. Yes. So you, yeah, and you, I'd just gotten back too. Yeah. So it was, it was interesting. And that was kind of the height of the Iraq war. And so, um, yeah, it was very interesting for me to, to, um, be in that type of situation. Yeah. You're saying your really? company was a little bit different. Yeah, it was, well, and what was interesting about it is, you know, the military was doing the program. So part of, a the program were all military guys and then the other were, you know, civilians. Um, and it was, there's some interesting perspectives out there and I don't know that I was prepared for it, but mm. I made it through. Well, that's good. Yeah. Did, uh, how many deployments have, did you do total? Uh, I've got three deployments to Afghanistan. Um, and then a couple other places. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, dude. It's a lot. It's a lot oh, of time overseas. There, there are guys out there that have a lot of time overseas. Like mine is minuscule to some of these guys. Are the, are these guys like, and I know we've talked to some recently and like, are they having a hard time transitioning out of that? Yeah. Well, I, each person's different. Yeah. They, they handle it different. They've been through different situations. Um, some of them handle it pretty well. Some of them don't handle it, but you know, what are those factors that lead to that was a person predisposed to that or did they actually see something um that caused them to have a rougher time like i don't know what the yeah the real answer is. yeah it's the same thing in public safety right something very minor might affect someone in a very real way mm-hmm. that you would look at and be like so what right why does that bug you mm-hmm. seen that many times i'm like, so big I've on been vi- that guy so yeah. big on visualization brain's brain's weird you know it'll tend to respond and what it's seen before and it's not a huge difference between what it's prepared for like visualizing something versus what it experiences in the real world yeah should be if you're in law enforcement you should expect yourself to see dead bodies and some Mm -hmm. terrible things similar to what you did there's going to be some terrible scenarios i don't know i just that's something that you almost have to prepare yourself for every person's different but that part of it everybody can do that for themselves i think i damaged myself early on in my career because you know, I had FTOs that were like playing the what if game constantly, like, all right, what if this happens? What do you, you know? And it's like that game, I have a very vivid imagination and that game gets out of hand real fast. Right. And, and it was like, now I set myself, like I, I created a, like a chronic level of stress in myself. Cause I'm like constantly on edge, you know what I mean? Right. And yes, there's a, f- a function of that for survival, but like, even to this day, I've been out for years now and it's like I sitting at a traffic light, like I'm constantly watching my mirrors for someone walking up to my car. Right. If someone pops a door open in front of me at a stopped light, I'm opening my door. And my wife's like, what are you doing? They're spitting. And I'm like, okay, uh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I'm trained to do I'm that. ready to fight. Yeah, like, yeah. what's going on? But if this, this, that's what, yes. that's what I'm doing. And that game, like, I get it. Like, you need that for survival. But at the same time, it, I don't know, it kind of creates some unhealthy patterns, I, I think. Right. Uh, yeah. So. yeah, 100%. But it also creates um healthy patterns and habits you can look at it that way right like yeah uh it would be hard hard hardish i'm not challenging anyone but it would be hard to ambush me in a car i think because i'm usually paying attention please (laughs) don't try it yeah Uh, right we talk about that at the academy like colors of awareness right like that's part of our officer safety and survival you know it goes white yellow orange red black 
where how much of society is walking around in the white. If I'm white, I'm asleep or I'm like about to fall asleep on yeah. my couch. That's just mm-hmm. about the only place that I am. Yeah. Right. And I'm not saying you need to run around in the red, which is like what you're talking about. If you're like that all the time and just ramped and like ready for a fight all the time, but there's a happy medium. I mean, action beats reaction. We know that for science does some really cool stuff with that. But if you're prepared and you can see signs and indications that there's a potential threat, that's, you should be there. Yeah. That yellow or orange level where you're looking for stuff. Yeah. Just indications. Cause that at least gets you a little further ahead. Yeah. Gives you a heads up. Yep. Yeah. But you know, yeah. Like you said, running in that high level all the time. I mean, I, I, I did yeah. numerous shifts that was like that, like the entire time. And then you right. get home and you're just done. We've all seen, we've Wrecked. all seen cops yeah. like that where yeah. you just can't maintain it. And honestly, it's not very effective either. No, it's not just awareness. There's got to be little breaks. Right. Right. And then you can yeah. ramp back up. When yeah. Uh, I, I had a lot of that in uh, wildfires and riots, like, you know, and riots are in right. extended deployments, you know, I don't know, many hours on the riot line. And it's like, you are up there the whole time. And then you drive home and you're like, Oh my God, like, I'm right. dead. I, I just want to crash. You know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 As in go to sleep. Yeah. yeah. And maybe crash. That's possible too. Um, so I guess like in relation to the military guys, like, I don't even know. That's a whole nother level. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I was never a cop and I'll just tell you this, like being a first responder, cop, firefighter, I could not do that. Yes, you could. Could not do that. We have some fun, bro. You know? No, I could not do that. <laughs> Take you on a ride Take along. Take him on a ride along. Yes. Take him on a ride along. Yes. I could not do that. Just the, <laughs> the levels of threat that are out there having to be switched on all the time like that's not do that that's the challenge you're could you are you are always behind the curve i guess in a way you're always in a reactive right. way which sucks like you don't know you're walking up on the car mm-hmm. you, you in your mind you're like i'm ready but in reality right. if that dude pulls a gun you're you're now reacting that's why it's a little bit slower that's why you try to train yourself for signs and indications of threats yeah. right mm-hmm. like as you're walking up you're just taking an input and yeah, you're looking yeah. going Hey, that took him longer to pull over than a normal person would. Why did he pull over right here? Why is he looking over at this side? And you change your response, right? Like, yeah. I'm not going to approach always from the driver's side. Go from the passenger side. You know, every once in a while, make mm-hmm. yourself unpredictable. I always, I always approach on the passenger side, but it drives me nuts when yes. I go around town and I see dudes making driver's side approaches right. in the traffic lane. All right, no, my just, trooper hat comes on and I want to just light them up. Yeah, but there's great videos out there where they – were engaged in a gunfight and they completely expected him to walk up on the driver's side. Yeah. But and they the came cops up. made an approach from the passenger side and he literally had all the time. I mean, he completely surprised him. Looks in, sees him with a gun. He's like, Oh, that's weird. But you can see <laughs> that cool process of his brain where yeah. it's like fight or flight, but then he bumps back and then he's able to pull his firearm out and then immediately address it and completely had the jump on the guy and reset it. Yeah. Law enforcement is a function of fighting complacency. Try not to, get into habits, which is a human thing. Super hard to do when you yes. do 10,000 traffic stops exactly. that are completely normal. Yeah. And then you have that one that's not. I do it all the time. When I leave the PD, I take like the same path. I was like, dang it, I'm not taking that path this time. I'm yep. going to go a different direction. <laughs> I'm going drive to drive a different way. It's funny. Yeah, I, I give all the props to you guys because I couldn't do it. You know, the worst part, of, worst part of it right now is this. Any, any interaction, it's this. And oh, yeah. For those of you that have been in like, a street fight, you know, been in a fight where it's knocked down, drag out me or you. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden in the middle of it, you're up there in the red and, you know, if you don't train at all, you're in the mm-hmm. black and it's, you know, total mammal instincts right in the middle, they go limp. And the expectation is you stop. Well, your brain's already made that decision. That, that is not something that 
that's asking them to do something that's not human. Yeah. It's not a human reaction. No, no. Part of it's tough. The I've, aftermath is always the tough stuff. I've, I've been scrutinized for that before and it sucks. You're like, right. yeah, right. you had to be there. Right. And they're, they're like, oh, we went limp. But like, I have no, like my brain, that's why the force science stuff was so cool. But my brain didn't even recognize that. Mm -hmm. It was just survival at mm -hmm. that point. But uh, you could. It's just different rules of engagement. No. Couldn't do it. Paranoia too high. So is the VA good about, like, helping guys make that transition? Is there anything out there for them? Or are they just like, hey, thanks for your 20 years. See ya. No. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of different organizations out there that, that do a lot of good work. Okay. I mean, a lot of good work. Um, you know, the VA, yeah, I think it's probably okay. Um, you know, the, the problem now with social media and everything is that the, the bad eggs, the bad information gets spread really rapidly and we don't focus on any of the good information that comes out. I mean, just think of all the vets that are getting help, you know? Um, yeah. And so you hear about one bad story and you're like, oh, how can we ever let that happen? Well, there's, there's a lot of vets out there, you know, and every situation is different. And, uh, you also have to seek the help too. You know, you can't just wait for help to come save you. You've got to. What, but yeah. I think that's the hard part for these, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. guys are, you know, I'm, I'm a man, like I don't need, right. you know, there's that's that stigma, stigma right. Yeah. Of yeah. like asking for help. I, you know, I've, I've been there. It sucks. Like you don't want to be that guy. Right. No. Uh, so I don't know. It was probably like 2010, 2011, somewhere in there. In special operations, we started bringing a lot more of the psych help, whether it's social workers, psychologists, psychiatrists, all that type of stuff back to bringing them in to help the organization, right? And at the time I had like, I don't know, probably 125, I suppose, um, Greenberries underneath me. And my wife had come to 10th group because by now I'm at, at 10th group. That's where I spent the last nine years of my career. Um, and my wife was working there as a psychologist. And what I would tell my guys all the time, because there's a big proponent from the leadership of, Hey, push guys to go push guys to go get help. Right. Um, and what I'd tell my guys all the time is yes, there's psychologists here. Yes. There's social workers here. Um, you, if you need help, be a man, go get it yourself before I have to tell you to go get it. And one of the things that there were, why they brought the psychs and uh, social workers to uh, special operations were to help build up their performance, right? Make them perform better. It wasn't just for, you know, the, the, the depression, the anxiety type stuff, but you also have, you need to be able to help those guys, but you also need to be able to help the, the ones who don't have the issues, right? Help them perform better. Mm -hmm. And that's where I wanted us to go more towards is helping you perform better, not just on if a, a person has issues, but say, you know, a guy doesn't have depression, anxiety, and that type of stuff. Like how does he perform better? Keep his heart rate down, change his mental thought processes. Yeah. Um, and I guess you're potentially giving him the coping skills to head that off before it even happens then at right. that point. Yep. And, and so for, for us, they, they brought a lot of assets in and they reach out to all kinds of nonprofits to help to uh, send people out on retreats and, and talk about the mental health side of the house. Um, uh, yeah. So there's, there's a lot of organizations out there. You have to uh, 
be able to ask for help too. It's, it's hard. I've seen guys uh, in the law enforcement world that like we had free um, help available mm-hmm. and it was anonymous. I have seen multiple guys go outside and pay cash to go to mm-hmm. a counselor or yes. And so that there was no chance that anybody yep. at the department would find out about it. Yep. It always blew my mind. There, there like, was, oh, there's cares? definitely a, especially, you know, through the beginning of GWAT, there were stigmas out there yeah. about mental health. More people have come out and like, hey, we don't have stigmas and uh, get rid of your stigma with it. And that's what I was trying to do by saying, guys, like everybody should be going to try to get the help and the training that they need to make themselves better. Before it becomes right. symptomatic. And but, uh, Yeah, before yeah. it becomes in, not even being worried about being symptomatic. Right. How do I perform better? You're talking about human performance, which right. is badass. And mm-hmm. I, I 100% prescribed to that and you were doing it sounds like before a lot of other people were they do it in sports right like mm-hmm. at the highest level like nfl yeah. and baseball and everything else they have a uh, they have psychologists and they have people that'll help them prepare and a lot of it's the visualization i was talking about to put you there before to better prepare you for not only your successes mm-hmm. but your failures right 100%. And, it, and that's not because they're going there saying hey i can't sleep i'm disinterested right. in things i usually like to do right it's before all that and it helps prepare them and i'd imagine i I mean, we should have your wife on the podcast. Yeah, I'd love she's to. much more intelligent about this and stuff better looking. So, yeah, yeah. Gee, yeah. thanks. Seth. Yeah, you're welcome. No, but to see if <laughs> to see if that stuff helps them when it right. actually gets you mm-hmm. know, when it gets to that point, I'd be right. super curious. But yeah. I'm glad you guys are doing that. I law enforcement. You brought up like programs. We have the CDA Foundation, which was started by one of our local officers here. It's all anonymous no questions they can immediately go seek and get some counseling right away whether it's after or a critical incident or not which has been super well received and we're constantly amazed at how many people are using it but right. again mm-hmm. cops had the same stigma right military and law enforcement but we're starting to change it yep that's it's the it. same thing for us is it's it's changed greatly in the last probably 10 or 15 years which and i think good. you're starting to see both sides of it you know the guys who who need the help right now because they have an issue, they're going to get more help. And then you're also seeing, and there's other organizations out there that do it better than us, but you know, we do a pretty good job of, of trying to do the human performance side of the house. And for us, like I was telling you that, you know, I left 10th group when I retired and now we have basically like most people would call it a gym. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's not just a gym to go in and lift weights. You have the, you know, your strength trainers there, but you also have your physical therapists there yeah. and you have all these different things to, to better your performance all around, whether you need the help, whether you want the help, whether you want to go to the next level or what it is like you, there is help out there right. to make you better. We've come a long way from the solution is right. weights and booze. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, long ways. Solve, yeah. It's not okay. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, those are two legs of that chair, bro. Don't get me wrong, but you know. I, like PTSD is sneaky, man. I I had a I don't like, and sometimes you can't even pinpoint the incident. But mm-hmm. like, I had a phase, and I didn't even realize this until years later. But like, I I would get random adrenaline dumps, and um, you know, I'd be out like doing FSTs <clears throat> with somebody that was completely code four and like a total non threat in my mind, and I'd get like an adrenaline dump out of nowhere, and then I'm like, oh my god, like it's so inconvenient, like you just like shaky because if you can't burn off that adrenaline, now you're stuck with it. Like you can hear it in your voice. Your knees are like shaking. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like, right. 
and I came up, you know, in my early twenties in the mixed martial arts world. Like I, like I, I was not concerned about a physical confrontation. I could not pinpoint it. And it was like, it took me a long time. Like I had to get off the road for a little bit and work in the office. And like, I don't know. I don't know. I have no like one specific incident that caused that, but it, man, it was, it was pretty debilitating. And I like, I didn't ever get help for that, but I probably should have. Oh, you should have got a lot more help. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, you give me to dork out on some stuff like sensory perception is real. And if there's Mm -hmm. something in your brain that whether it's, you know, smell, which is one of the most intense auditory visual, Mm -hmm. something in your brain, you know, and and it's just, if you think about why it does it, it's for survival. There's something to tip to say, Hey, you're, you're in danger. And you might not even recognize what that is. I have good friends that had terrible circumstances and, you know, if they hear snow crunching under their feet, you know, that, and that'll Mm -hmm. take, and then they're, they know it. Right. But they, you know, you seek a little bit of help, right. But they know that and then can recognize that's their sensory perception. So on those, there was likely a smell, whether it's like cigarettes or, you know, something funky that they were putting off or a sound Weird. that your brain went, Hey, Hey dude, ramp up. Like you need, you need some energy. Yeah. I'll tell you one, one of mine is certain temperatures with a certain level of humidity. Oh, really? And it's probably about like 55 degrees with high humidity. And no matter how, what type of clothing I have on, I, I will get an adrenaline dome. It's so what insane. yours is tactile. That's and cool. Mine's that's like, oh yeah. boy, here we yeah, go. That's here cool. we go. Here we go. What, what environment is that mimic? Probably, Can you pinpoint that? Yeah, it'd probably be Southeast United States. Some mm. of the training that we went through. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's um, weird, man. That's yeah. Cool. That's, that's so strange. Human yeah, brain is so cool. <laughs> yeah. But even though you recognize it, right? Yeah. It still it, happens. Yeah. Like, and it Fuck. takes you 30 seconds or so yeah. to get, to get through it. And like, that's weird. And for the longest time you can't figure out where it comes from. And then you're like, Oh, I know where mine comes from now. Right. And, and it's good to be able to recognize. Like I, for a long time was like, man, I'm like, weak like it was it was weakness in my own mind and i didn't want anybody to know about it and i was like this is crazy crazy it drove me nuts like yeah now we're getting to a stage where it's like no you just know it and you recognize it you know what it is push through it now mind you you, your brain might be picking up on something i I tell guys hey man trust the hair on the back here right Mm -hmm. that's why you train yourself to establish a baseline for what the average public contacts are it's never it's humans but you establish a baseline for the average law-abiding public how they interact how they move how they look, you know, how they shop, you know, how they get gas, all that stuff to see if you can pinpoint and teach your brain to go, mm, that's different. That's irregular. And yeah. the faster you can pick that stuff up, less likely you are to catch one, you know, to right. catch that hook to the side of the head that you're not prepared. Right. For. Yeah. And, and maybe that it might come from my years as a bouncer. I've, I've never lost a fight in the highway patrol, but I lost two fights on the street and then they were bad. And it was like, you know, ER. So we're right. not maybe talk about the jujitsu academy and how many <laughs> loses. <laughs> That's a different thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't, maybe it comes from that, but man. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Well, That's I just cool. admitted my deepest weakness. So no, dude, that, that well, that's just I it. That happened a long That's just time. it. That's not a weakness. See, yeah. that's where we start. We kill the stigma, Seth. It's yep. not a weakness. Bro. Well, well not strong. only that Thank though, I, I think I try to talk to people about this all the time is self-assessments. Mm you know, and, and understanding where you're strong and where you're weak at and what you need to do to improve as a person. Um, I think that is one of the things that is key overall for a healthy life is to understand who you are yeah, and, uh, what your strengths and weaknesses are. Yeah. And, and I guess like 
coming up in the times when we did with our heroes as like Rambo and, you know, Conan the Barbarian. It's like, mm-hmm. it's hard for a guy to even admit any weakness. Right. Right. But uh, you're right. That is important. And like recognizing, and maybe it's not a weakness, but maybe it's just, a, just uh, something uh, you're you not work on. good at. Yeah. Yes. Something you're not good at too. Like some, something that you want to work on. Yeah. Um, but that's life in general though. Right. Yeah. As a kid, you're going through school and you're like, Oh, I don't get good grades in math. Well, that's an assessment. Maybe you should work more on your math. And it's the same thing with me every day at the Academy. Like my jujitsu is not good. Like I need all around to get better at jujitsu. Um, or, you know, in the military, I'm super strong at shooting a pistol. Well, maybe my rifle's not very good, but be honest with your self assessment Mm -hmm. to work on that. I've seen you shoot a pistol. It was impressive. Oh, almost so as good much. as me so i was i was pretty pretty stoked oh, we're, on gonna, that. we're gonna have to go do some shooting we definitely do we definitely i haven't seen him with a rifle and i'm assuming yeah. he's pretty damn nice. good with a rifle uh, can't even lift a rifle anymore but no. yeah man I, I i do that and i know somehow full circle i always come back to like coaching right just yeah. because that's where you start to build the blueprints especially of young men and i think when you talk about that and you need to be honest with yourself and how much effort mine always comes down to attitude and effort those are the two things you can control and you can bring you can't always control like your natural skill set going to that but if you if you mess up or if you have a failure or a hiccup, be strong enough, believe in yourself to forgive yourself right away. Everybody else already has. Like when you talk about putting up all those movies or people you watched as kids, it's an unrealistic expectation. Oh, totally. Failure is a function of growth, man. Like that's yeah. a part, especially if you're out there reaching for it and driving and pursuing to be the best. It is literally cut it and move on to the next. It's another part of that human performance thing, right? Like just cut it and move on to the next thing. That's a hard thing. I hate failing at anything. I, you know what I mean? Me but you're too, right. But and then learning how to like lean into the 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 weak weaknesses that are the places that you right. need to build up strength. Like I think that's a skill that's probably lacking in the youth of today and a lot of them is is we just avoid displeasure, right? Right. Instead and, of seeking yeah. it out and, and learning to conquer that. And having a group around you that'll tell you. Yeah. Right. Like having people that you trust that are willing. That's one thing I miss about the military is sometimes over the top, they are not afraid to tell you where you're weak. Yeah. Right. They'll help mm-hmm. you identify those things. Now, you know, you get out of this, it's everybody's so touchy. I can't even go tell somebody, Hey, you're, you're all messed up. Like you don't even show up on time and your uniform looks like ass. Like you can't, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a different, yeah. That takes some adjustment. Yeah. Be a little more delicate. Yeah. That's why he's so delicate now. I am rather, I am rather <laughs> delicate. Adjust. Thank you for pointing That's that right. out. Yeah. Adjusting. Mm-hmm. I like, I think jujitsu helps me conquer a lot of the things that we talked about here. Like it helps me with that fight or flight response. It helps. It's very meditative for me. Um, that's my time when I'm rolling now, you know, I've achieved at least enough of a level where I can roll without thinking right? and then just reaction. And, mm-hmm. and that, that is like one of the only times in my life that I can truly shut off my brain and just like be in that moment. And that, that is the power of jujitsu for mm-hmm. me. Um, I try to impress that on guys. And, and I think it takes a while to get there. Oh yeah. You know, the white belts yeah. out there, it's like, they're still having to think through the processes and that slows them down. And then, you know, allows mm-hmm. old guys. They're like still, us to they're still worried about survival yeah. at that point. Right. And then they haven't quite figured out, Hey, maybe I just need to worry about the priorities. Just protect myself. I don't need to go on the attack to submit somebody. Just yeah. learn to protect myself. And then they'll start to calm down over time. And then they'll start having more and more fun with it. Um, Do you think that's what, I mean, Am I crazy with the meditative aspect of it? Does no, it, you like that too? I, I, I do think that there, for me anyway, there are what I call like the Zen activities yeah. 
to where I can shut off my brain. And that's why I like them so much. You can shut off your brain and just focus at the task at hand, whether that's shooting a long gun, a pistol, a bow, you know, for a while for me, it's even golf, right? It's just a repetitive, do the exact same thing every time. You have to shut your brain off. You don't have to worry about anything. And that's the same thing with jujitsu, right? I don't have to worry about the outside world because if I start worrying about the outside world and I'm not protecting my neck, then you're I'm in trouble. Yeah. So I got to worry about the basics first. And then, yeah, I, I, I can only assume that's why so many veterans and, you know, guys from our worlds, that's why it's becoming so popular lately. Right. I, I can only assume that a lot of it is that, uh, they're experiencing the same thing and it's like, Oh, hundred percent. This is, yeah. this is easy way powerful. to shut off your brain because if I worry about everything that's going on in the outside world, yeah, somebody's going to choke me. I mean, you're retired. You don't have that much to worry about, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> No, but they, I think people seek challenge just hearing you guys talk about it. I want to come do it, but you seek like something challenging because you know that while those moments were really tough, like there were some times in the service that sucked, but, um, some of those you're seeking that challenge, Mm -hmm. seeking that push. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to do now. Like life is too damn easy. Everything is designed for instant gratification and convenience. It drives me nuts. It drives me crazy. Everything's made so easy. Even kids studying, they never have to leave and just look on their phone. You don't have to go get a research book. Like none of it's hard. Right. It's all designed to be super easy. Yeah. That's kind of the way life is though. Right. I know just more conveniences. I do with school age kids, you went through without dating it, but uh, so you went through West Point in the nineties, like late nineties. Yep. Late nineties. Yep. What is your thought on like academies now Mm -hmm. vice then, you know, your experience then and now, and then overall, what are your thoughts on the military then? Oh, this is a, we were getting, we were getting into this the other day. Yeah. 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 And so I've, I've thought about this. So at the, um, the little get together we had, there was an interesting topic that came up on whether you would let your kids go into the military. Nowadays, what do you think? I got a little bit. My heart rate got elevated. Right. I, I, it makes me anxious, and I well, I never would have done that. Not so much that it's uh, it's people telling their kids not to join the military. Right. right. right? Like, okay, I go back to if not your kids, whose kids are going to do it then? That's they're, the they're question going. to me. Right. They're going. Somebody has to perform the function. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing as being a cop. I wouldn't want to do that. Right. Um, would I want my kids to be a cop? I don't know. I want them to do what they're called to go do. Right. Um, I'm not going to force them to be a cop. But if they want to be a cop, you better be the best cop that you yeah. can be. Yeah. Train and that's, and mm, so I think as a nation, we're kind of struggling with this, right? Because like we are talking about, everybody wants everything for free, easy, the cush life. Nobody wants to have a difficult life. Well, I don't want my kids to have a difficult life. Well, who's going to go into the military and, and take on that difficult life then if it's not my kids? Right. I think it's, it's an interesting conversation. It, um, it, yeah, it is. And it's like part of it is like, well – uh, like express this, like, <clears throat> you know, your kids might be better suited. Your kids might be better at it than other kids because of the way they were raised. Mm-hmm. It's like if things were bad and someone needed, I don't know how to say this, but like, you know, like if there was a bad situation, 
like send me because I feel like right. I would be more likely to succeed than mm-hmm. other people out there. Mm-hmm. Not you, but other people. And um, so is that the same thing? Like, okay, you know, my kids have been raised by me and in this way they're, I think they're harder than a lot of other kids out there. Mm-hmm. Like they might be more likely to succeed. Maybe we should send them. Mm-hmm. Right. But the military's always seemed to serve this function where like I'm, I'm all the, my son's friends call me the strict parent. We're the strict mm-hmm. parents, right? <laughs> because he doesn't have certain things and all. We're yeah. really not bad, but similar, I'm sure a certain way upbringing standards and accountability and things like that. They're important. I learned a lot of those in the military, but the military has always kind of served this function where for those that didn't have a lot of that, mm-hmm. you join the military and you learn some of those characteristics and skill set. And maybe you got yourself in some trouble because you've never used those before. Yeah. I just don't know how much the military's doing that anymore. I think SF communities are different. I hope truly, but man, I don't know. I just don't see that same yeah. standard. I mean, anymore. same thing in public safety, right? We're seeing that yeah. new recruits oh, are man. like not and we're kinda, the way they were. And we're kind of lucky here. Honestly, we oh, still yeah. get like pretty good candidates. We're yeah. really pretty blessed, but I don't know. I was yeah, it's, that's an interesting conversation. That one got my blood pressure up a little bit and it's, I see it more of the, um, if not me, then who? Yeah. And um, that's a good way to look at it. And like your, I mean, your family as a whole has served. I mean, your wife retired yeah. too. Like both right. of you did full careers in the military. Like that's not easy. That's not easy on the family. That's not easy on you guys. You know, I mean, that level of service is pretty rare. I think. And uh, so I, I'm not surprised that that's your mindset on it. Mm-hmm. And, and like, I, I get it with all these topics that are converse, confrontational. Um, in everything these days are confrontational. You know, there's the side for and there's the side that's against. But I go back to, you know, what's best for the country? Mm-hmm. What's best for the country? Because everybody can have their own opinions in the United States of America right, right now. Right. If the United States of America doesn't exist, you're not going to have your own. You're not entitled to it anymore. Right. Um, And so I think that is special. I think we have to keep that. Um, And I'm concerned, especially with the recruiting in the military these days and uh, everything's become so political that um, I hope that we're able to keep what we have. We need those good Midwest boys and Texas oh, kids going. Yeah. we need them in mm-hmm. the military. It's yep. a good friend of mine is a recruiter in Ohio. Do you know the minimum ASVAB score for service now got lowered to a 10 mm. in the last six months? Because What's like recruiting. an average score for those that don't know? Well, it's up to a 99 is the highest score. You oh, can damn. Get. So, so you what, just need to be able to breathe if you hit a 10. So I was a recruiter I in West Palm that. Beach for a while, and there were very few that were 10 and lower that I came across. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I guess there's varying jobs in the military, right? There are some that really, right. You know, when I got in, it was a 35 just to get in. And then in order to have a technical job, you needed a 50 um, to have anything that was like a school required or electrician or anything like like 99, a doctor or is that? Yeah. Well, listen, and I also fully believe you can be um, smart and not be book smart and vice yeah, versa. Right. hundred percent. Like, like I scored really high on it and I'm dumb, <laughs> right? no, you're not. but there's, there's a, uh, there's different kinds. So it's not all that. And sometimes it's language barrier stuff, but still no. the fact that we dropped from a 35 to a 10 gives you an idea what the state of our current recruit. 
yeah. population. Well, and, and the physical standards, I'm sure, have dropped because they have in law oh, enforcement yeah. majorly. You don't even boot people out for failing, people, right? And at least not on the Navy side. <clears throat> and and I mean, you're dealing with jobs the that Navy you need has. to be. That's there we go. You've made it this whole time without ripping on me being in the name. Uh, but those those standards are important. Like, you see the cop out there that's 350 pounds. Like, you're on. Right. You're not able to do the job the the way you should. And I yeah, I will argue with anybody on that. Go ahead and get mad at me. Um, like, and and you've got guys coming in that are right. like that already. Yes. And it's not going to get better when when you're dealing with crappy shifts and eating at 7-Eleven every night. Like. You're gonna get fatter. Yeah, don't yeah. you guys have donuts in your car twenty four seven? Twenty four seven, yeah. There's a donut dispenser. <laughs> no, I. The last real weekend we had, I taught a class there, and I said that the same thing. Our society has an expectation of people in law enforcement in uniform to be able to perform a certain way under yeah. stress, handle themselves physically, be able to handle that fight, look a certain way, and be presentable and handle a stressful circumstance. That's an expectation. Military telling these reservists the same thing. If you're out there in uniform and it's an active shooter situation or something extremely violent, do you think society has an expectation that you'll be able to perform better than the average person? Asking you honestly, do you think you can? Mm-hmm. Do you think we've given you the training to do that? Mm. You'd be a, there were a whole bunch that took on no, no, then we're failing. Yeah. Right. And that's the way I look at military service. I'm the same way. My son can do whatever he Whatever he wants, right? He's just going to be the first one out. Girls, definitely. No, I'm just kidding. But no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, there we go. That's another great yeah. conversation. No. Mm-hmm. no, but I really, I really don't mind whatever it is they want to do. But it is, I do find myself trying to recognize the military now. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Just because it seems to have, in our country in general, mm-hmm. what our priorities are. Is this, is this a function? I can't remember the exact <laughs> quote, but basically, you know, hard men create easy times. Yeah. Easy times create weak men. Weak men create hard times. Like, are, are we that far along in this progression that we're now creating what's going to be very hard times? So super simplified, but man, it's sure. Yeah. Has some backing. It looks like it's a great yeah. quote. Yeah. It is a great quote. It's, I, I mean, it seems to be pretty accurate to me. And I feel like it's more, like I said, we're in the tail end of it. Uh, and that's the kind of stuff that makes me thankful that we live in North Idaho, honestly. Right. I mean, I feel like this is one of the highest concentrations of veterans and uh, you know, retired and current public safety in the world. Mm-hmm. And if like these people are all capable of functioning under stressful situations, where else would I rather be? Sanctuary of sanity is what I called it yeah. the other day. I'm yeah. not saying Idaho won't fall with the rest, but it'll, it'll be, be a, longer. It'll be a holdout. Yeah. Um, sure. I mean, we get, we get calls and emails and texts like literally every day from people that are, Hey, I'm watching your content. Like I want to be there. I'm just like you guys. Right. Like I believe in these same things, these values. Yep. And like, it's like a magnet drawing people here for that, right. which tells me the state of the rest of the country is concerning. You know, these people literally are willing to uproot their lives and we get, you know, I get nasty comments on YouTube that, you know, keep Californians out of here. What those people don't realize is that these people are so committed. They're, they're uprooting their entire right. life and moving all the way here from somewhere else, like that's a huge commitment and it takes a lot of guts. That's how they're America, not gonna come here yeah. and screw it up, right? That's important to them. And that mentality is how America became America yeah. anyways. Yeah. It's like fleeing. I, I can't raise my kids here. Right. And I get that. And I even. and I get that it hurts the home prices and there are other negative factors in that. But for me to be here and be like all of these other people are moving here, that like it's building a strong community. Yeah. And that's in troubling times, that is more important to me than anything else. 
we've seen examples of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just glad you're here, Matt. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure you are, Seth. Like, yeah. uh, you love to make fun of me. I just like when <laughs> shit gets bad, you can just tell me what to do and I'll be a good little soldier. Yeah. It's not going to get that bad, though. No. Okay. We'll be all right. I like to hear that. Yeah. Somebody's got to stay positive, you know, all the time you're. <laughs> so, this is one of the things that we, Seth and I talk about all the time. Like, Seth's the fun loving hippie, never right. gets mad, right? He's always in a good mood, looking forward. And, uh, I'm kind of the opposite of Seth. Yeah. And now he's the one like, oh, thanks for being here. I'm like, no. This is where we're each other's rocks. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, when I'm having a tough balanced. day, yeah. he yeah. balances me out. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. It works out well. You guys need to get matching tattoos. We should. <laughs> I wish <laughs> I knew we were wearing No, or maybe a yin and a yang. There we go. That's <laughs> better. <laughs> well, I, I have hair. Yeah. Wear yeah. a baseball hat. He's yeah. kind of the opposite. There so we go. That's true. Yeah, we're good. But we do balance each other out. And what's nice is that we can sit down and have conversations. Like yes. Yeah, that's important, know? right? Yeah, we, I, I really cherish these type of conversations. That's why I love podcasting so much because I, I get to have these conversations. Like when you put these on, there's no other distractions other than your phone. But uh, <laughs> just kidding. One time. Dave's the worst. Yeah, uh, but like to be able to have this un, unbroken conversation about things, it's like, it's uh, it's amazing. I'm like, I'm really super thankful to have these opportunities yeah, i wish you had more time so we could have more i do too these yeah conversations. it seems like every time we just get started he's like uh i gotta go i gotta go oh gotta yeah go. oh he's been go. all yeah. over the it's gotten nuts in the last couple of weeks nuts yeah. good way that's in a good way yeah i'm gonna keep saying nuts in a good way it's I got strange. <laughs> there's your submarine <laughs> joke <laughs> uh, i gotta i gotta work on yeah. finding some better balance for sure but you know i'll get there it's a process but we all we all go through those struggles, so yeah. right. It's the ebbs and flows of of life, the highs yeah. and the lows. Um, I'm glad you're busy. I don't have to deal with you as often. That's true. It don't bother you when I'm busy. Yeah, yeah. It'll call you with it's a, also the passion of building something, and that yeah. can like reach out and grab you. And yeah, you take it's fun. You know, it you, is fun. You get a lot of. At the end of the day, it's all about dopamine. <laughs> Truly, <laughs> right? And and that is a struggle to build something right. that lasts. It's a struggle. I mean, you know, you see it oftentimes. Everybody wants to cuss the the big businesses or the small businesses, depending on which side of the spectrum you're on. But you have to take your hats off to the guys that are starting something from scratch and building it. With no guarantee. Right. Right. You're With risking, only yeah. risk. Absolutely. Only risk. And a yeah. dream. That's, that's yeah. the cool part of it. That's the, that's the terrifying, like coming out of public safety where I got a paycheck every month pretty much no matter what, unless I committed a felony, um, you know, and then to be an entrepreneur, it's like, whoa, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, scary. It gives you a lot of respect for those that have come yeah. before you doing it. Yes. Mm -hmm. I see people, you know, opening clothing shops downtown and I'm like, man, yeah, oh, our new man. restaurant. Yeah. yeah. A restaurant. Yes. That's like one of the hardest businesses. Yes. I'm like, how do you have the balls to do that? Right. Good for you. Like, well, it's like the guys over at North Idaho archery and what yes. they've been able to do. Too. Yes. Like I give them all kinds of, respect like that is difficult right you know one of them move halfway across the country and then you know creating this team and then building this dream that was it's like yeah you don't know it's gonna work right and, and no guarantee and those who aren't involved or don't see it you don't understand the struggle and the effort they've yeah. had to go through to build it up to what it is well, yeah and both of them gave up a sure thing yeah. And one of that was deputy of the year, the year prior. And he's like, you know what? 
all, for all me. Three yeah. of them. Yeah. 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 It's not for me anymore. I'm out. Mm-hmm. It takes takes a lot. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It takes a yeah. lot. Like, I go in and visit with them, like, every two or three days. And what's awesome to watch is them go through some of the same struggles that we went through. And you're like, oh. And you want to be able to give them sound advice, but you also don't want to take away from their experience and yeah. where they want it to go. So yeah. it's it's kind of walking a fine line when you see somebody starting something from from the ground up. Yeah. Everybody wants to sit on the sidelines and, hey, you should do this. Hey, you should do that. Right. Okay. Put some skin in the game. Yeah. yeah. Put okay. some skin in the game. I think that's such a, that's such a, uh, I say this respectfully, I'm speaking of it at all. That's such an old guy thing. Yeah. Where it's like, I could give you, I might, <laughs> I might be able to give you like this tool and fix this, correct this one thing. But a lot of ways that's just giving you a fish, man. That's right. not teaching you how to fish. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So some of those struggles you really have to do. It's that way with new cops sometimes mm-hmm. it's like man you're just gonna have to figure that one out yeah. <laughs> like truly because i'm not gonna rob you of, of the opportunity of the experience yes yep. i'm not gonna take that away from you sometimes that's just interpersonal experiences i'm not gonna rob you because we kill our kids with our current regiment where they don't learn interpersonal skills yes like no man i'm not i'm not gonna fix that for you yeah you go that's fix the hardest that. thing in parenting yes. hardest thing go fix that yourself that's one of the hardest things in life in general right? yeah interpersonal skills yeah see it on day in and day out basis um yeah and going back to jujitsu it will help teach you interpersonal skills yeah you can't get any more personal than that well not only that but like you know you, check. well you yes. can <laughs> yes. yeah. well you you have a lot of different uh i mean somebody's trying to choke you right so you're gonna get upset yeah you know? and you have these high-end athletes that come in but they don't understand the techniques yet and then they get upset, right? Because they're getting beat by a, you know, forty-eight-year-old former cop, and they're not like, "Oh, old. I should have." Oh. Not that old. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and, and so that's that's a humbling experience, you know. And how how do you deal with that? And then you also have the other side, the you know, the kind of the black belt side. On, you know, they're just kind of out there toying with people. But how do they build that person up through interpersonal skills? So that it doesn't make it look like, oh, you're just weak, you know, because yeah, people right. do that to me all the time, you know, just come in and beat on me. But they're like, oh, thanks. That was a great role. You know, and you're like, dude, I just about died. Why is this guy thanking me? <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. Right. So, yeah, I think and you're right. Like sometimes I, I push the newer guys just to test that boundary. Right. Mm-hmm. And see how they react. Can I get an anger response? Right. And then can we deal with that? Like you got to teach them how to manage that. Right. So that doesn't happen. Right. Because the high level guys, you're right. Yeah. There's no, it's the same in the mixed martial arts world, right? Like thinking way back in the day, you know, sparring with some dude, like the scariest dudes, no emotion. You know, they're just chill. And I imagine, you know, from your world, same thing. Like the guys that are like so calm yeah. and don't have that emotional, right? Like anger response right. and can just function right through it. Like those are the, those are the dudes. And, that are and sometimes, you know, maybe you need to have an anger response true yes you know when that may drive the appropriate you that time. may drive you over the crest of whatever anger, real challenge you have anger, yes yeah, anger is a horse you can ride out of some tough situations <laughs> a great way have, to put it dude if you could control it <laughs> if right. you can control I, it. i'd tell it to my he is yet to control yeah. his but we're working on that yeah. right you steer that in the right direction it can be yeah that's valuable. a good point yeah yep. very good point and so yeah kind of that was the end of my career at 10th group and then uh retired moved to maryland and um my wife was still in at the time she was working at a dc 
and then we ended up moving out here shortly after in 2020. So and that's when we met. Yeah. yeah. And the story. Rest Beautiful, happy yeah. ending. Yeah, like that segue? Yeah, I did. That was nice. Was, nice. I was trying to wrap it up for yeah. you because I know you're tired of me sitting next to I'm not to tired. No, I, I actually, uh, I, I won't, we should have you back on sometime, somewhere down the road. Um, Cause I imagine there's a lot of little stories in between. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know me, I can talk forever, but yeah, there's, there's a lot. Everybody has experiences that you can learn. From. Yeah. And honestly, I like, you know, I know you've got amazing war stories. I've heard a few of them, but I like how you're, you're coming from a higher level here of like, you know, the 40,000 foot view or the conceptual view of these stories and like how, you know, you can tell the one story and it's cool, but you can also tell me the concept and then I can grow from that. I can learn. Right. I think there's more value in that. Yeah. I, I think same as jujitsu actually. Yeah. Imagine that. Oh, uh, man. But, but yeah, I think that's, a, that's a big key of what I try to do is have that perspective of there's more indicators, more, the, the situations always aren't black and white. Yeah. Right. So you got to be able to step back and see, okay, what's really going on whether it's the interpersonal, whether it's my own demons, whether it's your demons, you know, what, what is shaping this picture and what's shaping the relationship. And then once you can step back, just like we were talking about, you know, from going from black to, yeah. to yellow, I got to be able to step back and have a good idea of yeah. what's really going on. Cause sometimes situations aren't what, what they first appear. No, you know? and not as serious as that right. initial visceral reaction. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you bump that fight or flight right back? Yeah. Yep. Well, uh, I have one more question before we uh -oh. end it. Who's better, Navy SEALs or Green Berets? Oh, at what? I don't know. Everything. I think every Navy SEAL will laugh at this, but they're definitely better at writing books and doing movies than Green Berets are. <laughs> Podcast. Um, Come to think of it, I think yeah. I've heard of more. Yeah. Uh, well, I can think of a couple of Green Berets that are rather yeah. prominent in the world. Lots yeah, and. You know, that, that's interesting. So we, we, we do talk a lot about in these circles, the social media influencer side of the house and what it means to be a quiet professional and that type of stuff. And, you know, people always ask me my opinions on these big social media influencers. And some of it, I think if it's done right, I think is really good. There's some out there that have, that have really helped the world yeah. a lot. And yeah. then, um, whether it's on individual skill sets or leadership or whatever, that is good. But if you're ever out there doing things for your own personal gain, that's when I would have issues with it. Yeah. Uh, well said. I've always been the loud, unprofessional type, so I don't know if that yeah. jives. I don't think I would have fit in that world quite well. I have no idea what that's like. <laughs> um, I'm quiet and introverted. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I, th I think they're both, there's a reason why we have Navy SEALs and there's a reason why we have Green Berets. And I think their mission sets are, um, for the most part, different. And uh, I'm glad we have them. Yeah. I'm glad we have Navy SEALs. I'm Who's glad better at looking Green cooler? Berets. That's the real question here. That's what I was trying Depends. to Depends. Are we, are we doing it for a movie or are we doing it for a real world? Like, they're by far <laughs> Is there a way, difference? They're by far way prettier. Yeah. Longer hair. Okay. And... You're really trying to get me to. Tell I'm my just. Story. I'm totally no. Oh, do you have a story around this? Don't. Uh, so remember my my friend. The first time I met him, uh, we were going to go on a we we're going to go Montana hunting, and I picked him up oh. in Denver, and we had to drive through a couple snow snowstorms on the way to Montana. He was a Navy SEAL, and right away he was like, "Hey, let's just get this out of the way." First time we met each other, 
didn't know each other before he hopped in. Oh, wow. And uh, he's like, let's just get this out of the way. I'll tell you what I think about Green Berets, and you tell me what you think about Navy SEALs. I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. And he's like, you go first. I'm like, okay. I was like, you guys are all in shape. You all have big muscles. You're all tan with blonde hair and a lot of tattoos. And I said, you guys are in really good shape, and you guys can fight. He's like, yeah, that's pretty much it. I said, but you can't plan anything to save your own life. <laughs> He's like, yeah, that's pretty much it. I was like, all right, tell me what you think about green berries. He's like, yep. Okay. He's like, you guys are all old. You're fat. You're broken. You can't do PT, but you guys can plan anything. And I'm like, yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> so you guys are a beautiful match. Yeah, we are. Yep. Yep. Combine them and it's something special. You got a hell of a team. Hell of a squad that way. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So there's a little bit of culture difference, but, um, you know, I don't think it's often people ask you, you know, the difference trying to put that wedge between you, but I don't think there's really that big of a wedge between them. They no. have their mission set. They're really good at it. We do ours. I'm guessing it's, it's similar in our world where it's, it's like banter. It's yes. the banter, right? Yes. We all love each other. Like us yeah. and firefighters, man. Yeah. I'll have their back no matter what. Anyway, yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. It's same the deal. same exact thing. Yeah. You'll yeah. screw with each other like brothers, but yeah. if somebody screws oh, up yeah. one yeah. of you, you're like, oh, you're going to get it all. Who are you to be talking about? <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, so. Well, cool. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's call it here and then uh, we'll do it again sometime. Yeah, all right. Dude, some, you might be Thanks one of the most NCO officers I've come across just in mentality, That's... like super laid back. Like, and I think that might be an SF thing too, where it's like you're tight knit and you do your stuff with your Guys, yeah, but yeah. I mean that in the most complimentary Thank way you. possible. Yep. Like easy to Yeah, you should see him at the kids class at jujitsu though. It's a different story. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Laying, laying Barking at those kids. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. What's up? Somebody's gotta train them. Yeah. Hey, that's me. Glad you do. Better. Glad you do. Me as a ball coach, bro. Same thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, not really. They just need a little direction and purpose. That's right. A little motivation that's goes a long right. way. So does yep. Seth. That's why you're so good yep. at them. We appreciate that. Yeah, I need this in my life. Yes, see? Absolutely. But him I had to handle like with kid gloves. I don't handle my yeah, kids at yeah. jiu-jitsu with kids that. gloves. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, they're a little thicker. Yeah, you know? yeah they're tougher. With him as my moral compass, where could I go wrong, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Come on. You got to have that person in your life that humbles you, bro. Just brings you right back. You're like, yeah, you're getting a little cocky, dude. I'm going to check you. Yeah, That's absolutely. what Seth does to me. Uh, we haven't rolled in a while. I should fix that. Well, you got to come to class. Um, oh, burn. Thrown down. Dude. Yeah. On that note, Thanks, yeah, man. Do better yeah. in. Yeah, <laughs> do better. <laughs> All right, See thanks. ya. All right.